Welcome to The Breakdown with Broadcom and Becky, the weekly podcast that breaks down politics, policy, and current affairs. I'm Michael Broadcorp. And I'm Becky Scher. We've spent a few episodes recently focusing on Minnesota politics, and in this week we're hitting the presidential campaign with a local angle. We're joined today by Kelly Fenton and Andy Brem. Kelly has previously joined our podcast last year for a panel discussion following our interview with Scott Jensen. Kelly served in the state legislature and is the former deputy chair of the Republican Party of Minnesota. Andy is joining us for the first time on the podcast this week. Andy served as Senator Norm Coleman's press secretary and has been a vocal Republican in Minnesota over the years. In his X slash Twitter bio, Andy bills himself as, quote, a lonely conservative voice in the sea of blue that is St. Paul. With our guests, we're going to break down the recent endorsement of former President Donald Trump by Minnesota's Republican congressional delegation. We will break down why Congressman Emmer, Stauber, and Finstead, along with Congresswoman Fishbach, all chose to support Trump. We'll discuss why they announced together and why now. We'll also break down our thoughts on what this means for them politically in Washington and back here in Minnesota. We'll have an exciting update about the standings and the winner in the breakdown with Broad Cooper and Becky's Pick'em League for fantasy football. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Today we are joined by Andy Brem and Representative Kelly Fenton, and we are going to talk all things congressional delegation endorsement of Donald Trump. So as you all know, recently Congressman uh, Tom Emmer, Pete Stauber, Brad Finstead, along with Congresswoman Michelle Fishbach, endorsed Congress or uh, endorsed former President Donald Trump. Andy, in a recent Star Tribune LTE, you said, quote, it's disappointing to see Minnesota's Republican congressional de- delegation recklessly endorse Donald Trump for president. I'd like you to kick us off and, and tell us why you think um, why you think that. Why are you disappointed and why do you think it was a, a reckless choice? Uh, well, first of all, guys, thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. I'm a big fan and uh, I was disappointed for a few reasons. One is uh, we have these things called uh, presidential primaries so that Republicans get to decide uh, who we want as our candidate. And uh, I, I think an endorsement uh, this early is is inappropriate. We've got uh, quite a few good folks running. And, um, you know, I, 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 we should leave it to uh, Republicans to de- make that decision, not uh, elected officials. But, you know, more importantly, I think just the unfitness of Donald Trump, um, you know, his uh, just absolutely erratic behavior and unfitness for office, I I think to see um, uh, such a strong endorsement uh, for him uh, at this stage in the race, just being so inappropriate um, from a substantive level uh, and not to mention a political level. I mean, Donald Trump is... um, does not work in the state of Minnesota. I think we can credit him for the dominance that the DFL has in the state, uh, for the decline of the state. Uh, we can credit Trumpism for that. So um, I just thought it was was bad all around. And uh, Kelly, we'll, we'll kind of come back to your comments on the political ramifications, positive or negative on this, but want to get your initial take on this. Were you disappointed, surprised, impressed? What was your initial take? I think I was indifferent. I was a little bit surprised, uh, but also I looked at it then at um, a 30,000 kind of 30,000 foot look. You know, my first thought was, 
Emmer was the last holdout out of the congressional leadership to come out and endorse Trump. And I think there's a real push right now within Congress to show that we are unified. And I think it was important for them to stand in unity for whatever reason. Um, but also, I think uh, in as a leader, sometimes as a leader, you need to get behind the people within your own um, area and district and support a decision they're making. And again, they all stood together as well. I've always said, as having been a state representative, that we need to legislate our districts. And that means that um, you're not going to like every vote that we take. And I think what was happening here as well was, um, you know, same kind of idea, but they were standing in support of how their districts actually voted. Trump actually got more votes in 2020 than 2016. Um, and predominantly within CD1, CD6, CD7, CD8. And so there's something to be said about that as well. And, Michael, and, I, and full disclosure, you know, I and I think I stated that when I initially put my thoughts out there is that I'm not on the Trump bandwagon. He's not my pick. He won't be my pick. But I'm just looking at it without that knee jerk reaction that a lot of people out there were having at the time. Michael, what's your take on the timing of this? Um, again, being, you know, before Super Tuesday, Andy said, you know, far too early for, for these type of endorsements. What's your take on the timing and the overall move for these members to endorse pre former president? I was surprised in terms of the fact that they all did it at once. The timing of it is also, I mean, it's a bit surprising. I've long held the position that this was Donald Trump's nomination from the get-go. And, and I've long been a critic of Donald Trump prior to running this time. I didn't vote for him in 16 or 20. And so I wasn't a, a fan of his then, and I'm not a fan now. And so I understand from a process standpoint, Kelly's arguments, I identify more with what Andy said. And I identify more with kind of that fervor and that disagreement. I, I'm concerned about the kind of the effect that Trump will have on the rest of the ticket, as I've articulated on the podcast with you, Becky, is that I think that Donald Trump makes it more difficult for Republicans to win in Minnesota. I don't think he's a net positive to Republicans in this state. And just thinking about this state, he's a problem. There's a pretty clear, I think, consistent track record also in just looking at his electoral success. He was not a net positive to Republicans keeping control of the Senate, keeping control of the House, and other types of things. I understand Representative Fenn's kind of process arguments, but my emotional kind of reaction and where I'd like the party to be is much more in line with what Andy said. And I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to have him on and we wanted to have him on is because uh, I just honestly just identify with, with his comments. I understand it from both perspectives and we're trying to have kind of a in the family kind of conversation about this and and not be too critical, but uh, I just wanted to give some attention to Andy's uh, op-ed and his commentary because uh, I think it's where a lot of Republicans, I think long-term, that's where the party needs to be and where it needs to go is, is stepping away from Trump. And it's something that uh, there's not a lot of Republicans out there, particularly in this timing of the process, that are that have the kind of, for lack of a better phrase, kind of backbone and institutional fortitude to, to stand up like that. And I really wanted to give some attention to Andy's commentary because on a number of issues. He's been very thoughtful, very, he's conservative, good conservative, but very thoughtful and articulate and wanted to give some attention to it. And, and it's a good jumping off point for a broader discussion today. 
And we're going to come back to the congressional endorsement here, but I do want to, um, as a few of you have mentioned, Trump's impact on the party as a whole. I do want to kind of jump into that and and why that's impactful on this, uh, why they chose to endorse Donald Trump. Um, Andy, in your in your op-ed, you kind of imply that supporting Donald Trump is essentially almost anti-Republican and something that I, I it's been a long frustration of mine. In there, you say, quote, I thought being a conservative meant fighting for the Constitution. Trump supports sus- suspending it. I was under the impression don't. we... I was under the impression we are a party in support of traditional family values. The Donald has long scoffed at them. Why is it that Republican MAGA voters, why doesn't this kind of thing seem to resonate with them? I mean, I feel like here in the state of Minnesota, we've seen even Michelle Bachman wasn't passing the purity test anymore, right? We've seen this long held up, you know, holding our members to a very high standard of what it means to be a Republican under the party platform, under the Constitution. And that's not something that Donald Trump necessarily fits under. Uh, Andy, speak a little bit to that and, and why why you feel that way. Well, I, I certainly can understand Donald Trump's appeal in 2016. Uh, there, he was an outsider. Um, he had, uh, I mean, he was hilarious. Uh, people had high hopes that he would be something different. So I, I can understand that. Um, and uh, listen, he came into office and, and was able to accomplish some positive things that I give him credit for. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, his behavior after the election of 2020 renders him unfit to be dog catcher. And, uh, you know, I, 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 what is his appeal now? I, I don't know. I, I know people are angry. And, you know, I'm angry. And I think part of it is I think people had hoped that Joe Biden would be more of a unifying force. He hasn't. He has governed from the left. Tim Walz has governed from the left. The DFL has governed from the left. So a lot of people on the right are angry. And Donald Trump has been a via, a, 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 he's a very convenient vehicle for people to channel their anger. I wouldn't say he's a productive vehicle for that anger, though. Um, and uh, you're, you, you know, to, to me, um, I, 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 I struggle with, with, with what his appeal is, particularly given I, I don't think that he will be elected. And his candidates can't get elected. We saw that in 2022 with Scott Jensen. I, I you know, just a colossal disaster. Um, uh, and, uh, it, you know, I, 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 I struggle with that. But I, I think at the end of the day, people are very frustrated. I share that frustration. But I would like to exercise that frustration by winning an election, having some influence and making some changes. Andy, and, and I guess I'd start with you and to ask everyone. Does Donald Trump running in Minnesota as the Republican nominee in 2024 help Republicans in this state, or is it is it a harmful? Well, I think it. I, I think he hurts um, tremendously. I mean, I live in Navy Blue St. Paul, and uh, a lot of my friends are Democrats, and I hear from them all the time how 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 they think that the DFL is too far left, how they think the state has lurched too far left, how they want to see a republic a healthy Republican Party again, how they actually would consider voting for a moderate Republican because they think things have gotten out of control here, uh, but they won't touch Trump, and so. We have a tremendous opportunity, I think, in this state. But, you know, Trump's dead on arrival with a lot of voters, myself included. And, you know, this isn't Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, look at the stuff he says. Look at the stuff he puts out. I mean, it wasn't an exaggeration in my letter to the editor to say he calls for the suspension of the Constitution of the United States. He actually 
said that and meant it. And if he could have gotten away with it, he would have done it. I mean, these aren't exaggerations. That is very serious stuff. Um, So, you know, it's a real shame because what we have here in Minnesota is a a fairly center-right state. And yet we are blue, blue, blue and left, left, left because we have there is no Republican opposition because the Republican Party is a Trump party and nobody but the reddest of red are, are, are getting on board with that. Kelly? I agree with Andy. I don't see a path to winning. We need to win the House back uh, here in the state legislature. I don't see a path to victory if Trump is on the top of the ticket. Uh, especially we have to, in, in order to do it, we need the suburbs. And I could tell you from having just, you know, run an election in 2020, the suburbs are not coming back if uh, Trump is at the top of the ticket. I think it won't hurt the those in the rural communities that are deep, deep red, like down in one, six, seven, and eight. But we can't win the house back in just those areas. We need uh, We need the suburbs. And we all lost. I lost. I lost in Trump's midterm. And I get that. And I and I I knew it was coming. I, I felt it at the doors. I heard it at the doors. For a long time, Minnesotans, when they would vote, would separate the individual from the top of the ticket. They do not do that in Minnesota right now with Trump. And it happened in 2018. And uh, for me in uh, 20, I'm sorry, 2022, when I ran the election. So uh, we there's not a path to victory if Trump is at the top of the ticket. And I agree with you, Michael. I think it's going to be Trump, unfortunately. I I absolutely agree. I think it is really tough for the suburbs and in, in particular, again, as you know, sound like a broken record here. But suburban women, I think, are going to have a really hard time because of the ties that this makes everybody in the Republican Party have to Donald Trump. And I think it is really hard for those folks like Andy talks about that would maybe consider voting for a Republican, whether you know that's at the state level, the legislative level, or congressional level, um, but are so just turned off by by the Trump ties and by these comments. And then if there's rallies or whatever, it's going to happen and, you know, things are going to come through. People are going to be dropping Trump lit with state legislator lit. And it's just going to be a tie um, to to Donald Trump, whether you want it or not, being on the right side of the ballot. So I think it is going to be a strain down ballot. Unfortunately, it's going to be we've talked long about how it is a fine line for Republicans to vote or to walk. And I think it's going to be tough to have each individual candidate figure out how they're going to navigate that because you do, you know, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're There's going to be people that if you don't support Donald Trump are also on the Republican side, not going to come out and vote for you or support you or work for you on the campaign trail because you are not backing the former president. So it's a really tough place to be. I really wish we were over the Donald Trump era. And it's just, it is really frustrating. I think what I would say to voters who support Trump, you know, it, it, I, I don't, I don't want to lecture anybody. And if you've got a strategy that works, that's great. You know, I didn't think Trump could win in 2016. He did, you know, prove me wrong. <laughs> I, I'm wrong all the time, but look at how that's working today. I mean, if you're somebody that's conservative, like I am, and you care about issues, how are we doing today? I mean, if you care about life issues, I care a lot about 
life issues. Right now in Minnesota, you can get an abortion up until birth, no problem. There is absolutely no regulation at all. I mean, we are, the pro-life movement is in the worst spot it's ever been in the history of the state. Thanks. And, you know, we had a very pro-life governor, gubernatorial candidate, but that didn't do a whole lot of good because he didn't get elected. So that's where the Trump brand has gotten us. Um, you know, it, it just simply isn't working. The results are are unbelievably disastrous. So I would just humbly ask people that are that are angry and kind of feel like, you know, if I support Trump, I'm really going to show them. Well, the Democrats love it. They, they, I'm sure Ken Martin and the DFL are thrilled to see us, you know, I mean, renominating Trump. I mean, Biden is a disaster. I mean, it's just amazing that, that we can't get our act together and nominate someone like Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis that would easily, easily win. Um, so it's, it's, it's very frustrating, but I would just submit to folks to, to just look at the results. And uh, at least for me, when, when something's not working in my life or something's not working, I like to make changes. And, and as Republicans, how in the world can we not make changes based on the results we've been getting in Minnesota? I want to go into the decision, like you mentioned, of endorsing Trump over someone like Nikki Haley and, and what kind of goes into that. You both have been involved in different aspects of politics, um, working for members, working for the party, being a member yourself. Um, so what, what what do you think went into that decision making here? Was there a decision to be made? Was it just if we, we have to endorse Trump? it's a matter of when we come out and do that. Was there, do you think there was any conversation of like, Hey, I really like Nikki Haley. She would be a great option. Do you think these members had any shot of potentially endorsing somebody else or is it gotta go, gotta go Donald Trump just as a matter of when, when you put out that announcement, Michael, let's start with you with on this one. I'm, I'm interested to, to hear where you, where you stand. Well, you know, I've been pretty clear from the beginning that is I didn't want it to be Trump. I had a feeling that it was going to be, and I was hoping for there to be an opportunity for another candidate. Um, that is just not materialized. Uh, Donald Trump has played this out uh, in a masterful way, and he's there's been you know, these debates, and we have a combination of the varsity team and the JV team, and there hasn't been a candidate that's broken out. And um, I just I don't think there was much option. I don't think there was much political option. Uh, I think that. Um, the Trump operation has, as it is, is just difficult for me to, to comprehend. I understand kind of the both views. I really understand Representative Frenton's perspective that this was kind of process and this needed to happen. I think if you're looking at the polls, if you're looking at the, the numbers, it's clearly Trump is leading for the nomination. There's, it's really not close. And so you can argue from a, from a numbers standpoint, from a tactical standpoint, that the numbers uh, justify the endorsement, that he's clearly in a strong position, and this makes sense from a numbers standpoint. But I'm, but my heart is exactly where Andy Brem is, and my mind is exactly where Andy Brem is, which is that it's just not a good long-term move, and it doesn't make sense. And so that's the struggle that I have: is that I understand on paper why they went this route, but my heart and mind is just not there. I just think long-term, that's what we're going to wrestle with, and that's what I think we're discussing. It seems a bit, to be very candid with you, it seems like this is a we all we've all seen this movie before. All four of us. Or if and I just may, if we're doing this, and I think we will be, if we can be available on election day in 2024, I think we would very likely come back to this audio and say, we knew this crash was going to happen. And the advantage I think that people like all of us have, but particularly Andy in this particular instance, is he's memorialized his concerns in letter and he can go back and he staked out that claim and we can discuss it. But I feel like this is a slow moving car. 
And that's about to, like, we're in a car crash here, a slow moving car crash, and we can all see it coming. We know what's going to happen, but we can't get anyone to make any better decisions. And that's what I'm kind of frustrated about right now. We just can't seem to be any difference because in my heart of hearts and in my mind, I think Andy Bremen's spot on with the letter that he wrote. And I think it's the exact, the truth of it. But the political reality is that he's winning the nomination and he's in the lead. And so I understand the process stuff. So that was a long answer, but I defer to the guest to straighten it out. Well, and Andy, to you had mentioned you kind of wish that whether it was these members or others, there was more of a backbone from from some Republicans in leadership or Republican vocal, you know, prominent Republicans. Do you think there would be an opportunity or space for any of these members or other members of the delegation to start building up those endorsements for somebody like Nikki Haley? Would that help move the needle and potentially tip the scales? Oh, I think it would have made a huge difference. Uh, I guess one thing I would disagree with Kelly on is I think, you know, the role of elected officials in part is to shape opinion, right? I mean, activists and constituents are looking to them to for guidance and for their wisdom. And when you have someone as substantial as Tom Emmer endorse Donald Trump for a second term, it gives him a sense of legitimacy. It helps calm some concerns that the guy isn't batshit nuts. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Tom. So his endorsement means something to me. And, um, you know, I, I just, again, I have, I have a lot of respect for all four members of, of uh, all four members of the, of the Republican delegation. It, it truly surprised me, in all honesty. And politics aside from it, I'm just, I'm really surprised that they honestly think that Donald Trump is fit to be president of the United States. I mean, he is so unhinged at the moment. He's clearly crazier than he was before. And a second term, he, he won't have the adults in the room that he had the first time around or the threat of a re-election campaign, which apparently is kind of what kept him somewhat stable. Um, you know, I, I just I, I, I was really surprised. So I, I, I think it like I said, I think it gives a lot of legitimacy to him. And um, I I was very disappointed. I think, you know, Minnesota is a competitive state, to be sure. Marco Rubio won the caucuses in 2016. I was a I was a Rubio supporter. I was very proud of that. And uh, um, so I, I, I think it was bad all around. Representative, uh, what's your thoughts? A couple of things here, but uh, there's some other things I think going on as well. And, and Andy, I, I don't disagree with much of many things that you've said. Uh, and I think the same thing about the many uh, members and leadership uh, on the Democrat side getting behind Biden as well. I can't believe that uh, people have come out and just supported him, you know, similar, right? Um, but another thing, I wonder, you know, these are congressional members, so they, their districts were very solid, red and solid Trump. Uh, if if they were running, if they were U.S. senators, I'd say, mm -mm, do not come, don't don't make an endorsement. You got to stay neutral, stay out of it. But they very much came out um, in support. Why I don't know, but there's a few things. You know, Tom Emmer did uh, and buck uh, Trump. And Andy, you said Trump's candidates are not winning, and that's right. But in the primary, his endorse 
candidates are winning the primary. They're just not, they're not winning the general election. I think, I kind of wonder, um, uh, these, uh, I think Michelle Fishbach had, a, a primary, um, opponent last time. And I just, I wonder if there's, they're working in unison leadership kind of came and said, Hey, let's do what you can to prevent from having to defend you in a primary. Let's put our money. You know, there's a lot of things that go into these decisions. Like I said, you know, I don't necessarily like it. I stayed out of uh, any, I never, I got invited when I was at the legislature to go meet the plane, whatnot, when Trump or Pence, and I never, I never accepted the invitation. So I absolutely understand where you're coming from as well. But I just think there's a lot more. Uh, The other thing is some of these, I think three of the, three of the four worked actually worked with Trump. I mean, they served under Trump. So, you know, sometimes personal relationships, Trump actual politics, um, who knows? But I do think there's a lot behind the scenes. And again, I'm not supporting Trump. And I I would have preferred, you know, uh, people stay out of it. But for whatever reason, they did come out, but they they came out as a group. There's power in numbers too. So we'll see what happens come election day, 2024, and we'll know a lot uh, in the next few weeks. We've got Iowa caucus. That's going to tell us a lot. Then after that, I think it's uh, New Hampshire. So you know, by March 5th, it may be pretty clear who the person on the ballot's going to be. I'm I'm really hoping that um, we another candidate can emerge like Nikki Haley coming out of Iowa or uh, New Hampshire. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Becky, did you answer? Um, no, I, I I think I think you guys put it very well. I don't think I have anything really to add on this subject. I'll I'll turn it back to you to, to do your follow up and. I got I got some other comments uh, follow following that. You know, Andy, one thing I have to say, um, and if you know this this podcast, this discussion was generated by letter your letter. One thing I've known about you over the years, and you've spoken many times, is you're not prone to hyperbole and, and reckless kind of commentary. This was a very sobering article, uh, letter to the editor that you wrote, and you used a lot of strong language to describe it. But all of it is precisely accurate. It's completely accurate, and. One of the things you discuss is that he's going to retaliate, that he's going to come after people, that he's going to, that he's talked about retribution, that he's been, he's out there and said, I am your retribution. He's going to come back to people. There is one, one question I do want to ask is that did these four members have a choice? Because and as Andy articulates in his letter, and we're of course going to link to this, Donald Trump is keeping a list and checking it twice, and he's going to remember who was naughty and nice. And so I, this process right now, the nomination process seems to be incredibly uh, there's a lot of emotion in it, as there is in, in all political races. But what seems to be driving a lot of it is that we have a the, the front runner for the nomination right now is really fired up and is talking in language about remembering who was with him and who was against him and coming in and using that kind of strong language. Did these members have a choice to not support him? Well, I think you always have a choice when you're in elected office, whether to do the right thing or the expedient thing. I mean, those are choices that politicians face every day. Um, I'm not in an elected office, so I don't face those choices. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, 
We, we have seen where going along with Donald Trump gets most people. Look at Rudy Giuliani. I mean, he has been very loyal to Donald Trump, and that has not served him very well. So I guess I would argue with anyone that feels like their well-being is tied with fealty to Trump. How, how, how is that working out for a lot of the people that have done that? You know, at the end of the day, I guess I will, I will take these four members of Congress uh, at their word that they truly believe that he should be the next president of the United States. Um, and I, but I would take issue with that, but no, no one, no one is hostage. We have choices and these are leaders in our party and leaders in the United States Congress. And, um, you know, I think it would have been very powerful for them to, you know, at least have stayed out of it and let the people of Minnesota make a decision. So, um, you know, I, I guess I, I don't, unless people stand up to this stuff, um, uh, I, I don't think Donald Trump, uh, he'll be the bully uh, everyone makes him out to be. I have one of my frustrations always with working in politics over the last decade is the politics of politics, right? There's always the politics of politics is pretty hardcore and, and it's substantial. And I think that is certainly something that came into play here. Um, Kelly, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Steve Scalise also endorsed Donald Trump this week. Um, and that follows endorsements by Speaker of the House Mike Johnson and House Republican Conference Chair Elise Stefanik. And, um, but with Scalise and Emmerich, obviously it has a little bit of a different angle. So Trump snubbed both of them in their speaker races. He had some choice words to say about Emmer during his speaker's race, called him out of touch, and, um, you know, def may have played a role in that speakership contestant or contest uh, ending there for Congressman Emmer. So it is a little that it, that is a little surprising to me. I do think there is something to be said. We have seen, like you mentioned, Representative, primary opponents for some of these members. I worked for Congressman Emmer for a number of years. We we saw one, nothing credible, nothing substantial, but there, there were challengers. And that is something, as you mentioned, uh, Andy, as well about the retribution that, you know, this former president prides himself on it, it, it seems, is something that I could see being a target or a, an arrow at these members' targets um, should they have gone against him. But one thing I do want to ask is because of the leadership now that has all come out in support of former President Donald Trump and, and his reelection bid here, do you, I mean, we obviously aren't on the inside. We don't know these de details. Do you think it's conceivable or likely that these members, um, Republican leadership in Congress coming out and endorsing President Donald Trump, do you think that there was potentially a deal struck saying, hey, we're going to endorse you, stay out of House races, don't, you know, don't do any more primary opponents, stay out of this, we're going to focus on the House, we'll endorse you so you can go do your thing, we're going to do our thing. Any thoughts on that? Or am I black helicoptering it? Well, I'll, I'll go as one who served, but I, I do think that... Um, that's that's very it's it's always possible there, there seem to be politics is filled with ulterior motives right so i think anything is possible especially i mean i you mentioned something that i was going to say and i i forgot the fact that um emmer could possibly have been the speaker of congress had uh, donald trump not interfered with that and yet here he's coming out and standing with them so I do find that interesting, but it's also, you know, has there been a promise of significant money coming into these districts? Uh, I have no idea, but, you know, I think we'll maybe we'll see down the road. 
Andy, if a deal like that was struck, do you think that um, it is a good move to at least hopefully protect the congressional races in our quest to maintain the majority? Well, I no, I wouldn't. Um, I mean, Donald Trump uh, is not a man of his word, and he's not someone to be trusted. So, I I wouldn't do a deal with him. Um, I think most people that have tried that uh, have come out of the losing end. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if that were the case, uh, you know, I wish him well with that deal. But I doubt. I mean, Donald Trump's ego is so big. I doubt he can stay out of anything where his input um, is uh, is desired. I mean, I, I, I just think there seems to be a consensus amongst the establishment and the Republican Party that people need to coalesce around Donald Trump this early. I, I, I totally disagree with that. I don't know where that comes from, but that's that. I just think that's what this is all about. And uh, our representatives are going along with it and I'm, I'm disappointed by it. Um, because I do think it has a powerful impact. I do think it has a silencing effect, uh, for sure. Um, and it puts a, a certain inevitability on something that I've been trying hard to remind people that we are still very early in this. And we have had situations where things have changed very quickly. And um, that's what primaries are all about. But um, anyway. Is, if I may, is there not a possibility that also that this was if we are early in the process, which I agree that this could change, this was a safe choice for them from the standpoint of it creates the least amount of animosity because he is in the lead. He is the front runner. And they're at least from, if as Becky articulated, the politics of politics is at least from that perspective, uh, a safe move on their part, just to, just to at least they're in, in essence, if the politics of the politics, they are endorsing the front runner. They are endorsing the person who is leading in the polls in the Republican nomination. We all understand what happens in the general election, but could we maybe see an argument where this was a safe political move from that standpoint, if we're looking at through the lens smartly of, of, of Becky's lens of the politics of politics, that, it, that, that they yeah, I think, endorsed the front runner? Well, yeah, I mean, I think endorsing the front runner uh, is easy and it's tempting. And, and listen, I mean, Donald Trump supporters are... Um, they are they are a energetic group of people, and if you have them on your team, that is a force to have on your team. I will tell you uh, when I've written things like this, um, the messages that I get, I won't repeat them on this show. I mean, I've been fighting for conservative values in the state for twenty some years, and um, you know the 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 horrible things that people say to me, and um, the vitriol that you get is unbelievable. So there's just a lot of passion. For the former president that I suppose if you're able to marshal for your own self-interest can be quite a powerful force. Uh, it's a pretty ugly force in my view, uh, having seen some of it. But um, I can see the temptation to have some of that on your side. And, and you know, listen, I, I like all these guys um, a lot. <laughs> and uh, um, so it, it, it really just does. It, it is hard. It was it, it really is hard to. Uh, understand, but I, I think Michael, you're you're right. I think somewhere along the line, folks consider this a safe bet or a smart bet, and uh, they've placed it. I, I'm interested also to hear from you guys about your thoughts on the delegation doing it on block, that doing this together, coming forward, doing 
endorsing on the same day. Um, Michael, I'll start with you kind of to marry the last two questions, both the politics of politics of a potential deal of some sort within leadership, but also within the, the delegation as a whole. Do you think there are some large grandioso plans of why and when Emmer, Fishbach, Finstead, and Stauber came out to do this the same week as Scalise after leadership? What are your thoughts? Well, let's piggyback for a second on what Andy just said, um, which we know exists. There is a there is a uh, element of Trump supporters that are very passionate. And one of the advantages of all four of them doing it at the same time is there's a little bit of safety in numbers, number one. Number two, uh, let's say that two of them did that. Uh, the other t- One or the other two members that hadn't would, would be on the receiving end of this kind of punitive kind of squad that comes after them. Again, retribution. They're punitive. There's a real energy. And I agree with Andy's adjectives that he described it. It can be somewhat very ugly sometimes and somewhat mean-spirited. Um, and so if the, the advantage of all four of them jumping together is there's a little bit of safety in numbers, but also you're also protecting then the ones that maybe were hesitant. Because I don't know in this political environment if, I mean, let's let's be clear here, uh, it's, you're, you're asking for, you need to have some broad shoulders. If you're going to be one of three or two of four, I'm sorry, one of four or two of four or one person that stands against the rest of your Republican delegation, we've seen in other states how that plays out and in other political circumstances, the pressure that comes under that. And so I think, um, I think if they were going to do this, if, if we all collectively do respect those four members, and I know we all do, uh, that was this was the better way to do it because what have, what have happened is the whatever person didn't whatever member didn't there would have been a lot of political pressure assigned to them it would have gotten ugly and uh, it would have led to a political dynamic that I think is a part of all of Donald Trump's calculations which is retribution and in some ways punishment and that would have been un- what would have been unfortunate Kelly or Andy your perspective uh, I'll chime in I mean I agree I think there was safety in numbers and you know again back to decisions. Uh, one thing, because again, I do agree with a lot of what Andy's saying, and I think that there's one important point he made, and um, and I agree with it because I wish we could get back to that. But so many decisions today within politics are made on retaining the office, and I wish that we could get back to uh, across this country in terms of standing on principle. Uh, and that being more important than retaining the office, and that doesn't always happen. And I, so, um, but there is safety in numbers. I think there there was strategic, there were strategic decisions made in the timing of everything from leadership coming out in support of Donald Trump as well as our delegation. Andy, yeah, I mean, I would just add, I, I, um, you know, I don't think. <laughs> None of these members have any issue in terms of being safe. They they will be reelected. So I I um you know I I don't think their political careers in any way are in jeopardy. Um, and uh, I think I think I think Kelly put it put it well earlier. I think at the end of the day they probably felt they were being representative of the political establishment in their districts, which are very pro Trump. Uh, and I can see going along with that. Um, but like I've said repeatedly, it's it's unfortunate because it has um, tremendously negative political consequences for the rest of the state. Um, my last question here uh, before we wrap up is uh, 
Representative, about a tweet that you had sent regarding this endorsement. Um, You said, I'm not going to say this as one who isn't on the Trump train. This is what it looks like when you are in tune with your district. Go look at the Trump results from their districts. I've always said you need to legislate from your district and some might not like your stance. Now, you were a former legislator, candidate, um, have spent a lot of time knocking doors, talking to constituents. Will you explain a little bit to our listeners about how you weigh those decisions when serving your constituents of what you want versus what or what they want and versus what you believe, especially when it comes to this mega type Republican that we do have. And and real quick before I throw it to you, I just want to say, you know, I spent a number of years at the state party as executive director well within the grassroots um, activist space. And that mega, you know, Republican is really, really ingrained in there. And so I do find it hard to, you know, again, balance that. So, um, what were you hearing at the doors and, and that maybe with this mega Republican and, and why they did this, even if they maybe don't have that same personal stance and big, you know, gusto uh, support for President Donald Trump? So, you know, it was really interesting because in 2016, I mean, I was uh, like, Andy, I I would have placed my life on the fact that no way would Donald Trump ever get elected. And he did. Um, 2018. Boy, they I was getting yelled at and at the door and uh, by even Republicans, you know, leaving the party. I sat out uh, 2020 and ran again in 2022. And it's interesting, had a lot of great conversations at the door, but uh, never really heard much about Trump until our candidates at the top of the ticket uh, proudly embraced his endorsement. And suddenly that came up again at the door. and. The the people in my district assumed that because I was Republican, that I was exactly like Donald Trump, that I must have been exactly like him. And, you know, when I uh, when I served, I did my best in Woodbury to represent everybody, including those who did not vote for me. I was probably attacked more in my tenure at the House by uh, by my own Republicans for not standing, you know, you know, holding true to the platform or whatever, you know, of the party, right? I was attacked more by my own Republicans, but I took that as a measure that I must have been doing well because I was representing everybody. And I got elected two times by winning every single precinct in my district. So, but then um, losing almost every precinct narrowly when in Trump's midterm. So the big question is, I think that we need to have going forward too, is like, how do we, how do Republicans separate themselves from Trump? Because right now in the suburbs, people truly believe that because I'm Republican, I must be just like him and as evil as they see him. Right. So, um, I'm not a fan. I, I'm not a fan of um, the measures being of taking Trump off the ballot because I think one of the ways we can rid our the Republicans can rid themselves is to have him vote, you know, voted out in every state or whatnot um, by Republicans. He needs to be voted out, and unfortunately, it's not going to happen in every state. We'll see, but. Um, we need to figure out a way going forward if Trump's on the ballot too, that to how can separate how can those running again 
separate themselves from the person at the top of the ticket. Um, yeah, I would just add, listen, I, I, I'm a fan of change and parties change, brands change, and I don't necessarily have this knee-jerk reaction to the MAGA movement. I mean, in 2016, the party changed. And in some ways, that was a good thing. We saw a whole new swath of people brought into the Republican Party. Minority participation in the Republican Party increased. I mean, Donald Trump did some positive things for the party that will that are that are good. And I, I'm not denying that. Um, but the guy's unhinged. <laughs> and so we need to accept that and recognize that there's a lot of people who simply won't vote for someone or a party that's led by someone who's nuts. And uh, uh, that's just going to be uh, a problem. Everything that 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 movement fights for, I, I you know, Kelly and I agree with as well. Um, but we just need to get united behind competent, um, you know, relatively attractive people. I mean, if I was uh, hiring someone for a job and they had a good resume, but they were clinically insane, I probably wouldn't hire them. And it's the same in politics. They may have the right views and say the right things and get me fired up like Donald Trump does, but I'm not going to hire somebody uh, for president of the United States who's, who's unbalanced. And so, you know, the brand of our party has become crazy. And I recognize that makes some people excited and that it's fun for some people. But those of those those of us in Minnesota have to live in the consequences of that. You know, this has become a completely liberal cesspool. I mean, our cities are in utter decline. The state is losing population. I mean, this is it's real. It's not a game. And, you know, and, and it, particularly if you live in the cities, we're really experiencing what what DFL dominance looks like and what a uh, uh, Republican party dominated by Trumpism, what this looks like, it's really serious stuff. And so I, um, I recognize people are, are mad and angry, but I am too. Let's, let's express that anger by winning elections. And we are never going to do that with Donald Trump. And we've learned that now after multiple election cycles, if I was wrong, Great. And I was wrong in 2016, but I've been right in, in every election since. Michael. I'm going to defer to my co-host to carry us off, but I wanted to say before we go how much I've enjoyed this discussion. Representative Fentive, you've been on before. And Andy, this uh, which we appreciate you coming back for a second opportunity. Uh, and Andy, this is the first opportunity we've had to speak with you. And we hope to have you on again. I think there's a lot that we I learned from this discussion. And one of the things that we we're trying to do is to have more of these larger discussions. And this was a great launching off point. And Andy was a great op-ed, a great letter to the editor you wrote that served as the genesis for this discussion. So I want to thank all of our participants and also just welcome Andy for, for coming on today, along with Representative Fend, of course, and, and Becky for hosting. But but thank you for being a part of the discussion today. It was meaningful, it was substantive. I think there's gonna this is gonna be a great episode for people to listen to. Uh, Becky. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you for lining it up, Michael. Uh, great guests. Real quick before I close up, um, Andy, where can people find you, follow you for future comments, thoughts on this and other items? Well, I don't do politics for a living. Uh, so I am on Twitter at, at andybrem.com or at andybrem, but uh, that is about it. So I, uh, those opinions are, are mine alone. Perfect. And Representative Fenton, where can folks follow you on social media or elsewhere? 
Um, they can find me on Twitter at Kelly Fenton MN and Instagram. I'm also Kelly Fenton MN as well. But for politics, you'll want to follow me on Twitter. Perfect. Well, like Michael said, these kind of discussions I always have been some of my favorite episodes. I think it's really great to hear from folks, different backgrounds, different positions, different thoughts on things, and especially things like this type of endorsement where you do need to weigh the political ramifications and how it you know means for their personal race and up and down ballot. And I think there's so much at stake here. And you know, as as this came out, I was torn myself because you know if I was working for any of these members, I would be advocating for them to, you know, endorse the president, even though that's not personally what I feel. So I get the move. I get the play. There's a lot more to it um, when it comes to Donald Trump over any other Republican nominee we've seen over the last however many years. And so this is certainly not going to be a conversation that goes away as Donald Trump's implications on Minnesota politics, our candidates, and future hopeful Republican majorities at some point in the near future um, hang, hang in the balance. So thank you all for participating, and we hope to chat again soon. Thanks a lot, guys. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Thank you. We spoke with Andy Brem and Kelly Fenton about the congressional, the Republican members of the congressional delegation uh, endorsing Donald Trump. Your take on the discussion. I mean, I thought it was great. I always, you know, think that it was so, it's so interesting to have four people on that have, you know, been around the game, similar kind of backgrounds at times, but having so many different um, ways to look at a, a situation here. So I liked being able to hear from Andy and his disappointment and frustration. And and I totally get it, right? I think it totally makes sense when we, you and I are not Trump folks. I also don't want Trump to be the nominee. Um, but if I think about all of this politically, if I was working for any of these members, I would be telling them to do the same thing. From my mind, there wasn't really a choice. These members, it was more of a matter of when they endorsed Trump than if they did. Correct. And I think that that's, and that's the balance and, and not to play Switzerland. But I think both Fenton and Brem, were, first of all, uh, we're making great points and, and compliments to Andy Brem for his his letter to the editor. It was a great, a great discussion point. It was a great launching off point. And Andy is, as I said during the podcast, he's not prone in our interview with him. He's not prone with hyperbole. He's pretty even keeled. Um, you know, he's taken some swings at me on social media. Uh, he's one to scrap it, you know, throw some elbows, but it was very, it was very responsible and um, the very responsible messenger of a very frustrating message. And so my compliments to him for drafting it and speaking out, but I understand his frustration and, but I also agree with a lot of what Fenton said. I mean, I think that, um, I think you, I think of all the people, I think you summed it up the best with it's the politics of politics. And that's, that's the lens by which we're looking at this stuff. And that really framed up my thinking about it. While I understand Andy's and, 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 and Andy's frustration resonates with me. Um, and I understand Fenton's perspective. I think the way that you kind of tied a good bow on it and broke it down of the politics of politics is the way I'm going to think about it. And it provides, I think, uh, just the right kind of messaging and bracketing by how the decision should be looked at. I don't think that they um, could ignore the realities. And, you know, I think we both laid out the pros and cons, but the politics of politics is is the way I'm going to look at it. And uh, it's going to be a good discussion going forward. You know, and the politics of politics is something that I've always talked about because it's something that, um, you know, is 
as a, a former political staffer is something that's so enticing and intriguing and like alluring, you know, to, to this world because there is so many different chess moves that you can do and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, it's also kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to tap out of it because it is something that gets a little old at times when you want to be have, you know, a, a more rose colored glasses on when you look at our government and political system. And it is a little uh, gets a little disillusioned after a while. But um, with the Trump endorsement as a whole, I think it's one of those things that it's kind of, um, you know, our goals and hopes for Trump is is kind of the what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Are we going to topple Trump because people start not endorsing him and building up behind somebody like a Nikki Haley? Or do we need Trump to fail? I mean, it's just it, it's so hard to look at it and know what the right move is. And um, if you can affect change by endorsing somebody else or if that is going to make you not be reelected to Congress. And then what good are you? Because you are no longer serving. So um, it's a tough, tough place to be for these members, for sure. Um, for the four members of Minnesota, I think it it makes sense. I think the delegates and activists and, and base in their districts, it makes sense. Um and so, yeah, I get it. We'll see. This is going to be an interesting year because there's a lot going on in the race on the Republican side for president. Um, you know, we'll see about what happens on the Democratic side, but we're going to try to cover it as best we can. And, and as you and I are both, neither of us are, are strong. Neither of us are, are Trump supporters. So it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. But I think we, we, we'll carve out a path and be able to provide some uh, balanced perspective, insight and break this stuff good. down. Uh, speaking of just a lot of good content, I I just um, speaking of just content, I think <laughs> I think I think it's good. Um, uh, what are we going to talk about next, Becky? Are you ready for some football? Yes, I am. Today, I am. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell the listeners where we're at today? Um, we are sitting. I mean, technically, there's a, a game tonight, right? But you are you no, are sitting. Not. Is there not? No, I don't. Oh know wow, that goes to what I know right now. Um, you are sitting in first place pretty comfortably by a few points, um, 10 points over me sitting in third place. It's a sad day. Um, it's over. I mean, it's over. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a comfort. The season's over with. Right. True. I, mean, I won. There. I won by four games. By um, a comfortable margin. There you comfortable go. margin. You, I finished. And again, just to repeat to our listeners, what were what were my personal goals for the league this year? To beat me, and you yes. did it. I'm so proud of you. I hope Thank you, you um, put that trophy on your mantle. And uh... we're gonna get one. Okay, we're gonna get one. And so um, I, I feel very good about it. And it was a lot of fun. Um, a couple of things just to preface, and, and we've had some discussion about this. I don't know if we'll put an asterisk. I think the I think. Uh, oh, you won! I get it. Twitter slash X has um, done. A good job. We've papered the file correctly. That there were some kind of administrative snafus at the beginning, um, but I think there is plenty of an opportunity for people to come back. Um, but we're, if we'll do this next year. We'll make sure that it's people have to submit for all the games. There was some confusion. Uh, Dan Winnesota, who was contributed in the league, he's noted a number of times that there were some administrative hurdles. He did finish in a distant sixth, um, and I believe without any hesitation that his Distance in sixth was because of some of those administrative snafus. I think you're just terrible at fantasy football. <laughs> okay. I, think, I think if anything, you were aided, um, aided by that, and maybe some, maybe some people provided some insight into your. In, maybe they provided you some 
insight in your DMs or something where you got some tips and suggestions. I, I don't know. I can't know that. Uh, what I do want to just ask you for a couple of things is I want to run a few things by you. All right. Um, as you know, I'm not very good at fantasy, fantasy football, even though we won. I won this season. Um, I am good at trash talking. And so I just want to run a couple of these by you to see what your take is. So these are some sample tweets that I have drafted um, for just kind of just some trash talking. This week. <laughs> Uh, just crowned the champ of our fantasy football league. Guess who's dominating both politics and fantasy sports in Minnesota? That's right, me. <laughs> Looks like my skills in fantasy football are as sharp as my political insight. Finish first in our league to my fellow podcasters. Better luck next time. I think that would be you. Mm, yeah, that's um, rough. Who just crushed the fantasy football league? This co-star. When I'm not dissecting politics, I'm busy winning championships. Seems like I'm unbeatable in more than just debates. Wow. And one more. Just a quick shout out to myself for dominating (laughs) our fantasy football league. It's not just political opinions. It's just not it's not just my political opinions that are right on target. Can't wait to defend my title next year. Wow. How much time do you spend on those? Uh an embarrassing amount of time. (laughs) And by the way, I I will tell you, and I'm just being polite because I just I want I don't want to I don't want my trash talking to just really just break your spirit. There's, I have two pages of those. Oh, two, two wow. pages of those with a fair amount of effort put into both emojis and hashtags. And so I think it's going to be a good week. I can't wait. Well, Becky, <laughs> I want to thank you for participating in our fantasy league. And we're going to have some discussions about some segments now. Um, that we're going to start doing more in the podcast. But I want to thank you for participating in the league. And, Loved it. Uh, and we're, I'm looking forward to defending my title. And maybe we could figure out some, maybe some co-management system for you and your team next year. No, I got um, it. I am going to be spending my off-season studying stats. Get excited. That's good. That's good. Well, thank you for being such a good sport and for doing you, this once again. You bet. Congratulations. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. We want to thank you for listening to The Breakdown with Broadcob and Becky. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the platform where you listen. You can leave a review or give us a shout out on our website or across all social media platforms at at BBBreakPod. The Breakdown with Broadcob and Becky will return next week. Thank you again for listening.